How to improve daily living is the topic. Simon Jacobson here. Welcome. How to improve daily living. It's a very interesting paradox. It's always struck me from my youngest of years that you find so often, and maybe uh, almost always, that a person gets inspired, motivated. It could be for no apparent reason, or it could be a special milestone, a birthday, a new year. And you really are committed to change. You're committed to make your life better. You're committed to grow in some way. Whatever it may be. And then not much time passes, and the inspiration and motivation dissipates. And you're left wondering, is there something the matter with me? Was, was I not real, uh, honest? Was I not sincere in my commitment? Why is it that it doesn't last? It's one of the big conundrums in life. And I want to dissect this because I think it's, val- it's vital to really get control over your life. And that's what we all would like to do. Instead of us living a life of responding to circumstances, a victim of circumstances, a product of circumstances, to control our circumstances, to control our destiny, it's critical to dissect what is going on in the human being that we're so prone to this inability, inability to really hold on to something that's exciting and passionate. I mean, it would be probably the best, the best product in the world if you can create something that's natural. Natural, I should add. Natural that can keep a person constantly motivated and inspired. So we'll discuss that. And of course, the goal here is to figure out how can we capture that fire and bottle it and turn it into a force in our daily lives. So to do this, we're going to take a, take a little uh, mystical view on the matter based on a concept which is understanding the very nature of existence itself. The very nature of existence is such that on one hand, on one hand, there's a certain consistency to everything in the existence, the way the cycles of life and nature work, the sun rising precisely at a certain moment, and you can predict exactly the weather patterns and the sun's trajectory, same thing with the moon, same thing with other celestial bodies, the seasons, winter, into spring, into summer, into fall, into winter. You look at the natural habitats, both on land and water, again, they have their cycles, they have their rules and guidelines. It's, it's like a clock. The only one that can disrupt it is the human being. Even when there's a natural disaster, a fire fire, a fire, a forest fire, a volcano, even that nature learns to regenerate, learns to adapt, learns to modify, and that too becomes part of its growth. Human beings can actually impede the process, but that's not so relevant to this immediate discussion. So there's this constant consistency, 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 to the point that it can become quite boring because it's predictable. It's all deterministic and predictable. And yet there's another part of life, 
We'll call it the vitality of life, the passion, sucking the marrow, the zest. And that too is a necessity in a person's life, to feel excited. But these two really clash with each other. Because when things are really predictable and deterministic, it's the exact opposite of the spontaneous, of that energy that is generated when we are surprised by imagination, by dreaming. So the way the mystics explain it is that there are two, actually, energy forces at work. One that sustains the machine and its clockwork persist, per, precision, and the other that feeds what's called a novel energy, that looking for renewal, for regeneration, for that uh, passion that I'm describing. And that is not deterministic. That is not predictable. <clears throat> but they clash because the, the, the former dominates. The fact of the matter is the consistency itself can become a pattern and a routine that bores us. There's nothing exciting about it. And that translates also in our lives. When we experience a spirit, an inspiration or motivation, it's like a taste of some other sort experience that inspires us. Something magical has happened. Some decision you want to make, whatever it is that's driving it. Let's hope it's a positive thing. But then there's life takes over, as they say. Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Life takes over. And it's routines, it's clockwork, it's patterns, it's schedules, it's deadlines. And we are part of that existence as well. King Solomon put it best in the most both devastating and depressing way, but so accurate. He says a generation comes and a generation goes, and there's nothing new under the sun. All the rivers flow to the sea, and the sea does not get full. A type of like, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Which, of course, leads us to a cynicism of, you know, there's no real change. Everything's the same. Different characters, different names, different cities. But it's life goes on, the same life. And time does its thing. And ultimately, everything melts under the routine, routine of predictable time and space. And yet, we see as humans... We have those moments. We have those moments, whether they're romantic moments, whether they're magical moments, whether they're spiritual moments. And that consumes us. And that's what we're looking for, that high. Unfortunately, many people turn to artificial highs that are induced by foreign substances or foreign experiences that don't really last. They're a sugar high, but they're not really yours. So this would be critical. Can we bridge these two worlds? Or are we subject, like, you know, you ever see, you, you like, uh, write letters in the sand on a beach, and then the, the waves come once, twice, and it's all gone. So the, castle, the sand castles that we build in life, those exciting moments, you can argue, are really overwhelmed and submerged in the routines of life. And it's actually not just <coughs> excuse me, not just as an analogy, it's actually correct that in Hebrew, the word for nature, teva, means submerged in the water. You throw things in the water, no matter how exciting they are, they all suddenly disappear, and all you see is the surface. So when you look at the cycles of nature, that's exactly what happens. It's the cycles take over. 
There's a poet poetry to it, but there's no unpredictability to it. And therefore there's a lack of that that oomph, that that surge, that that uh, that adrenaline that flows when we're surprised, when we're anticipating, when there's a an unknown twist. So these are two forces, two forces that define existence. And they both are there with the natural cycle being very dominant. And that's why when things happen, even if they're exciting, they tend to go back to that equilibrium of the status quo, whatever that status quo may be. And it's very depressing in a way because you feel no matter what I do, no matter how inspired I get, I always come back to the same place with almost no real change. So understanding these two energies and how they interact with each other and where they originate from is going to be the key to getting where we want to get. Because now let's go back to uh, with the point I asked before. Inspiration, motivation, and then it dissipates. Is there a way to hold on to it? Is there a way to maintain it? That's the challenge. And we'll, we'll discover not only is there a way, but there's a way to sustain it. But you have to do a few things, and you have to understand a few things. So let's look at it this way. On the surface level, when we look at life, unless there's actual physical movement, something we could sense with our eyes, ears, taste, touch, and smell, we would assume that a quiet room where there are no people is a dead room. We would assume that if we see nothing vibrating, nothing, nothing um, pulsating, nothing uh, shifting, nothing moving, there's nothing moving. But we all know that beneath the surface today are molecules which consist of atoms, which consist of subatomic particles that are always on the move. That it's a mobile universe. That's a pulsating universe. And yet when you look at the surface, it looks plain. You look at water, even water, which is liquid, but it lies flat, especially turning into ice. But then you heat it and you suddenly see gases begin to emerge. Vapor begins to bubble. A life begins to, the heat causes the light, causes the energy to begin to rise to the surface, and suddenly you see it. You see bubbling water. It could be heat, it could be high speeds, and so on. So the truth is also with our souls and our bodies. Our bodies, our bodies, our physical beings, are very lethargic. They like being a couch potato, you know, lazy, um, slothful, and just. I'm fine with the status quo, my comfort zone. It's not good for growth. It's not definitely good for the restless spirit. But there's a certain element, you know, not nothing bothering me today. I'm in bliss, and it's almost a numbing effect, which. Nothing, nothing going too, but nothing too high, nothing too low. It's, it's coasting along. What's lacking? What's lacking is that oomph. What's lacking is that drive, that surge of energy that we're always looking for. So what do we do? We either find artificial sources for it, we find temporary ones, we find powerful ones, but it's very hard for it to spill over and become integrated in our lives. So you have the two energies at work here. Beneath the surface lies tremendous amount of reservoirs of energy, just like beneath the surface of Earth lies the molten rock, lies activity, tremendous activity, earthquakes, crusts moving, crashing against each other, volcano volcanic movement, and all that happens in the center of the Earth, like is with subatomic particles. 
every object when the surface level is very calm, very consistent, very almost boring, but beneath the surface is bubbling energy, and we don't usually meet the two. Today, with scientific breakthroughs of nuclear fission and nuclear fusion, we've learned that there are methods, either through great heat, as I mentioned, or great speeds, that you can actually tap into that energy. But barring that, the layperson, the average person, will not come to access that. And yet the key to accessing that, that is the key to rejuvenation and to regeneration and to excitement. So when it comes to our personal lives, that's exactly what's going on. We're more or less held in the tentacles of the consistency and routines of nature. And we become part of it too, our bodies, our sleep patterns, our waking patterns, where we travel, what we work, the demands upon us force us to conform even further. So we're left with this machine-like attitude where you can feel like you're a machine. But you're not. You have a, a, a vibrant soul inside of you, trapped, mind you. So the challenge is how do we release it and the way that that ultimately becomes the driving force that can even inform your daily quotidian and your daily routines. That, of course, is the key challenge. So the way we do it is just like it is with technology, fusion or fission, you need to dig deeper. You need to force something. For example, if a person makes a commitment to volunteering for something on a daily basis, you're forcing the situation that there's going to be a release of energy from a deeper place because you're not just falling back in your routine of sleep and snooze and laziness and so forth. It's a decision that's made. Then there's effort. Besides the commitment, effort. When you exert effort, you release sparks. When you strike something strongly, you're able to release a, a, a type of energy. And it's proportionate. The more you invest, the more the return. You want to get sparks flying from an anvil? You need to strike it strongly. And the same thing is spiritually and psychologically. When you're challenged, when you have an opponent playing, let's say, tennis or another sport, or in some other way, a resistance, what do you think happens? That resistance, like when it comes to fusion and fission, not quite on that scale, what it does is it releases more energy. There's a motivation, there's a pushback, and pushback, competition, and so on, creates this tension that releases even more energy. And when you do that, you're beginning to tap into something that on the surface may not look like it's there, but it's always there. And the key, of course, is to access that in our discussion here, to improve your daily living, to not just improve it, but to transform it. So let's be specific. Let's find some specific examples. I've, always, I've often told the story with uh, Chaim Rappaport, with the Baal Shem Tov. We traveled on a mission, and the Baal Shem Tov was very keen on knowing how he traveled. Long story short, he reports that he said that he, one night he, he spent in an inn, the other night there was no inn, so he slept on the side of the road. In the morning he woke up, he camped out. The morning he woke up, said his, washed his hands, said his prayers, sat down to eat something, took a cup of water from a brook, from a, 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 a nearby brook or a spring of water, and, and made a blessing and drank it. And the Baal Shem Tov jumped up with excitement. It seems like just a routine thing, a cup of water. Nah, nah. He said, from the beginning of time, that brook of water, that water was waiting for you to come to make a blessing on it. So he took an ordinary experience and demonstrated how extraordinary it is. 
Because when you look at the purpose of it being used, then it's not just water. It's water waiting for something to happen. In the words of this mystical book, the Zohar says, the waters below cry for the waters above. And when you make that blessing, you, so to speak, placate them, appease them, I should say. You appease them and console them for their tears. So in life, we always have these opportunities. You can let things just pass you by, ignore them, or you can turn it into a magical moment and transform it into a magical moment, ordinary into extraordinary. And the way to do it is to have a perspective that wherever you're going, there are sparks for you to release. That beneath the surface, there's tremendous brimming energy and vitality and passion for you to release. So two things happen. First of all, that energy is released and that empowers you. Secondly, your passion to do so is indeed also empowering the spark. So it's like a flame meeting a flame. And that's how things get done. That's how leaders do things. So the challenge here is not about finding an inspirational thing. That's good to get it going. But if you want to maintain it, you need to find it in your routines, in your regular day-to-day, to find how can I make an, an ordinary thing extraordinary? How can I transform the quote that I mentioned, the routines, the patterns, into magic? So this brings us, of course, to the purpose of why we're here. Are we here just to satisfy our needs, to indulge? You may do that. You may even be happy for a while, but you're not fulfilling that push, that thrust. You do that when you're excited and passionate about something you're doing. You always see it. When someone is excited, it brings out energy from everyone around them and everything that you're doing, and it brings out energy from that person. And that's the key. Can we create a daily routine, which is not a routine? You may be doing the same routine, but every time with a different emphasis. Every time you're playing the same music, but every time with a different inflection, with a different focus, with a different passion. And that's the key. The escape to go to the mountain, to go to another reality, is, even if necessary, it's temporary, it's short-lived. You want to go back to your immediate life, the life you live every day, the things that you're responsible for, and say, how am I going to reveal deeper sparks? And often it is by helping others with the work you do. Often it is by doing something different than what you've done. Because the difference is that change. That's the shift. That's the shift that creates all the difference. And wherever we do, wherever we meet, you meet somebody, you can ignore them, you can talk to them about nonsense, or you can uplift them. To share a story, an inspiration. <clears throat> Same thing with technology. Technology, is it owning you or you're owning it? Are you responding to other people's texts or are you initiating maybe a warm thought, a nice feeling, sharing a beautiful video, another piece of material? So what's happening is you're taking your daily activities and you're turning it around instead of it being, okay, this is what I need or this is what I do, this is my obligation, you're turning it into a vehicle of your spiritual expression. That's the challenge. And when you're able to do that, every day becomes a different type of day.
So really what we're talking about is, like, think of it like time capsules. That activities and interactions and everything that is going to happen to us the next day is a capsule. It's an opportunity waiting to be released. And it's waiting for you to release it. So imagine your attitude then. Because then everything is exciting. You jump out of bed. What is it that today brings? How often are we just in a bad mood? You let the mood control you. You control it and say, what do you mean? I have to get something done. When you see, when you need something that's compelling, people suddenly become much more alacrity and clarity and focused and faster and so on. That's the attitude. The attitude is that you are on a mission and here is now something that's been presented to you. And it could even be in an area that may seem like a setback. But it's an opportunity. And you turn it to such, that lasts forever. That's extremely healing and soothing and calming. And lasting, sustainable. Because it's coming from within. It's like an energy that is being generated from the object itself. Not an import from elsewhere. Sometimes we need that import. For example, you know, when you light a fire, a campfire. So you need two things. You need twigs and paper just to get it going. They light quickly, but that's not enough. Because they also burn out quickly. They extinguish quickly. That little fire catches a piece of wood, something more substantial, and suddenly now it's lasting. So you have things that ignite quickly, burn out quickly. Things that ignite slowly, but also burn out slowly. You want to have a quick ignition to get it going, to jumpstart it. But then you want it to translate into a more fuller program, whether it's in whatever, whatever it may be. That's what you want to do. And that fuller program is what becomes the robust, the robust schedule of your life filled with these beautiful, um, blue, um, I would say, blossoming opportunities. And it's all up to us. It's all up to us. So the next step is to actually make a list of your daily life. That's really what it comes down to. What do you do? What's your regimen? What's your schedule? Starting from the moment you wake up. List of things. You're going to find most of them are very routine. Things you do every day. Things that are ongoing. Sometimes you even do it blindly. It's become your habit, your routine, your pattern. In it may also be some bad patterns and bad habits. But it's part of that. You'll also find... Obviously, sometimes you'll find a special activity, an event, a meeting. Uh, you're going to a wedding. You're going to a celebration. So that's in your calendar as well. But those are not on an ongoing basis. Those are sporadic bursts, which you may be looking forward to and be very exciting. But as I said before, how long will it last? Our challenge is to look at the routine day, whether it's from the moment you wake up, it's the, the exercises, Breakfast, showering, breakfast, etc. That's where you go, our focus is how we're going to take each one of those items and infuse it with something else. Infuse it with something deeper. <clears throat> to take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. To take the regular and make it special. So let's take a few examples. You wake up in the morning, everybody wakes up. You, you, know, you rub your eyes, you turn over, snooze, whatever it may be. But here's the key. Take the morning, wake up, the, the fresh moment, and say, I acknowledge to you for returning my soul to me. Become cognizant. Don't let it just happen. Don't let it just be your daily morning routine. 
think about it and say, something happened now. My soul was returned to me. Where was it? It's refreshed. I feel refreshed. <clears throat> even things like being in the shower, even exercising, also have lessons. But I'm going to skip to breakfast. Whatever it is, you take a drink, coffee, a tea, a fruit, whatever it may be. This food, food is, again, a regular routine. You may do it every day. But you can infuse it with vitality. For, for a few examples. Firstly, on a very basic level, who you're having breakfast with. There's conversation involved. You look forward to it. So the breakfast becomes, is part of it, but it's still a, a side, a back end. But you've turned it into an opportunity, an exciting opportunity to speak to someone you love, interact with them. On the next level, the food itself has, as the Bible puts it, not on bread alone does man live, but on the spark of the divine within that. So there's a spark of divine waiting to be released. And maybe, yes, when you break bread, you make the blessing, you help the spark be released. So there's something going on. In addition to the environment that the breakfast is people, you're actually doing a refinement stage during your meal, as did your ancestors, as did your parents and grandparents and ancestors going back who knows where. And that is critical. Now, the more you look into your daily things, I just spoke about a meal, you look at this, the different prayers we say in the morning about, that, about opening my eyes, dressing the naked, different things. Each of them is a, is a contemplation that you want to identify with and say, look, here I am. I was once vulnerable, completely not protected, or protected by my parents. Now I'm on my own, and I have tools to protect myself with. My head, my other parts of my body. Just like Jacob built for himself a type of, uh, what was it called, a mound around his head to protect from animals, even though it was known to be the Holy of Holies. Another discussion. But the point is, we all have these gradations, and they all are like veils that you want to pierce and allow a deeper energy within. And that's when you use that object for what it was intended. You use your mind to understand divine secrets. You use your heart to be giving and kind to people. You use your legs to run and to approach somebody. Every aspect of our lives corresponds to different, every aspect of the, every good deed corresponds to an aspect of our lives. And it actually works. We've heard it work. And it can only work better and better if we are all participate in something like this. So I would suggest and encourage you to take advantage of this idea of taking a spark and releasing it. So I mentioned morning routine. I mentioned eating. Let's talk about commuting. You commute. So here too, the people you meet, don't ignore them, share something. As well as the commute itself. What's outside the window? Why are you going this direction? What do you learn from the place that you're visiting or passing through? These are all lessons. And then of course, as the day wears on, there's a lunch break. Okay, I'm not going to talk about food again. There's the people you meet. But whatever it may be, you're always looking for the inner narrative behind the scenes. That's the key. Always the inner inner narrative. So you're dealing with, for example, um, next step I would say is, okay, lunch I said, work. Your work itself, I'm, t- I'm talking about even the peripherals right now. But at some point you end your work, you go again and commute, the same thing. You come home, don't just be the same nag or the same demands. Do something new and fresh when you come home. Because that's one of the worst places where marriages begin to erode 
or even I would say become monotonous. That you, you come home, there's a reason that your spouse and you are where you are, and you can communicate about it, even if there are disagreements, as I mentioned before, as part of the clarity. Everything, bottom line, in our routine that we're doing right now can be enhanced with this approach. Because we're talking about actually going into the kishkas, as I said, into what purposes and what meaning is, what life is all about. And when you go there, you're able to ease, much easier separate between fruit and husk and then use the fruit in the right direction. Okay, so to go back to the topic itself, building a how to improve daily living. Well, everything I've said here is not even focusing on relationships. It's not focusing on other things we've spoken about. Not because I don't think it's important, but I think this is also important. And you have to be able to address both. And really they complement each other. Because ultimately, yes, having children is one of the best ways to keep a marriage together. Not because of convenience and now there's a child, but because there's some beauty and refinement that the child elicits from parents and siblings. And that spills over and has a deep impact. I've seen it a number of times with different types of families that had their challenges. What we want to do is not get in the way and allow this to really emerge and allow it to really empower us. So it would be good, a good idea, as I continue down the list, is to list the items. I mentioned the morning and breakfast. I mentioned lunch. I mentioned meeting people and doing sparring and doing something that is like athletic. Um, then there's coming home, which is often the harshest time because you're bored. I'm sorry, you're, you have a bad day. You have a difficult day. You're not interested in having a conversation. Your spouse wants to have a conversation. She sees it person takes it personally. So this is more of a challenge. What do you do in a circumstance like that? So you know what? Find some common denominator that's exciting as well. Because she comes from a place that, that, in other words, find something between the two of you, something that can excite it. It may be routine, but you're looking for the extraordinary within the ordinary. And this could put heads together. I've seen, you know, it could be through doing puzzles together, crossword puzzles, other activities, people, you know, one spouse may enjoy, the other may not. But that's what you do for love. That's what you do for commitment. And that really changes things because what you're doing is you're taking an active effort, a proactive effort of bringing vitality into the so-called cake, not just letting it ride, letting it just flow. And that can be done in every interaction. Imagine where you could be sitting with your spouse at dinner and saying, look, we're eating this meal. It could be from the beginning of time. This meal was prepared for us. Now, I'm not naive in understanding. We're talking about thousands of years. But you get the idea. The idea is connecting the eternal to the temporary, connecting the immortal, the infinite, to the limited, to the defined that we are. And we're all capable of doing it because we have it within us. We have a, 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 an asset called the soul that's tremendously powerful and just have to call on it and ask for it. And we have other assets that today there's much more talk, there's much more openness. Even this discussion itself was not held several years ago. So we have many things going for us. What's, what, what no one can teach you is not to be lazy. No one can teach you is to get out of your comfort zone. You have to learn that on your own. You have to learn that being comfortable is something. But like the Alter Rebbe said to his Rebbe, 
when they got married. So that there was no wiring money. If you stayed in town, his father and his in-laws were well-to-do relatively. So they said, if you stay in town, we'll send you money, whatever you need. You know, no, no one won't mix into your business. And the Altamira famously responded. It's a very appealing offer, but even more appealing is being in your mother's womb where everything you eat, she ate, everything you slept, she slept. And it's altogether no separate entity. That would have been even nicer. But that's not the kavana. Kavana is that there should be a middle step where you are not within the energy itself, that you go into a material world. And there you discover that deeper energy. That's the goal. And, the, and so therefore the numbness and all the so-called paralysis of lethargy is part of the surface level. Our job is to pierce that and not allow it to rest. Not allow each other to rest, not allow others to rest. What you want to do is elicit that energy in everything you're doing. And it could be done. It could be your arts and crafts, it could be other lessons, it could be your interactions. Parents, our job is to make sure that's cultivated. Make sure that there's a setback. The child doesn't just give up. Push them, like, just like you would push them to go to piano lessons or other activities. Push them to excel in this way. And you'll be surprised what kind of results come of this. So that's like the third section that deals with all those matters that are routine, but within the routine lies that potency that's enormous, the nuclear energy that lies within even a hair follicle. So you can definitely fill in the blanks and go through other items that are in your daily routine, list them, and say, okay, here's what it is on its own. Here's when I touch it. When I fuse or, f- or break, fission or fusion, it's transformed into this. You can't imagine the gratification of seeing metamorphosis like that. It motivates. It helps you motivate others. And even when people feel like they're not going anywhere, that there's no progress, no. You tell them, I'm an eyewitness, there is progress. You just have to see it through. Sometimes it takes years. And when I see that, it's one of the best beautiful acts they can tell. So we have many, many resources at our disposal to be able to, ex- exp- to reveal the extraordinary within the ordinary. I mentioned water. I mentioned other items. All of us have. It could be the colors we like. It could be the tastes we have. It could be the smells we like. All these things are factors that help a person get to a place they can never be on their own. So, in the, in the, so I, would, I would then say, once you fill in the blanks, you create your own daily map, you'll look for ways and say, what part of it is, where's the weakest link? What part needs most work? And allow yourself to be helped, because that's how we all learn, from an incubator. If there's no one around, then you have to find that, because there's always somebody. But, in, you know, but often there are people like that, either are undercover, they don't want to, do not give up. We all can find the right teacher, the right mentor, to help us access this enormous reservoir of energy. You find the Talmud very often how a person has taken upon himself such a load and you can't know how he lifted it. And then you find out adrenaline because that is an energy, it's a natural chemical that brings out the best and the strongest within us. So we have, we obviously want to be natural. We, I, you know, I, I, and uh, and I, I had an allergy doctor, Dr. Redner, who gave me a few shots of this, uh, of this insulin, and not insulin, this adrenaline rather, and it's, everything cleared up in the, in the middle of an allergy day, this breezing day, but it's not the way to go. You can't do it through a drug. You can, that could be a taste. You have to someplace be a flame that rises on its own. 
That's the ultimate goal. And as uh, and 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 that means a flame. The soul is like a flame. The body is like a wick. You want your flame to come alive. That's the challenge. And when you do so, every aspect of your life, literally, there's no aspect that you're not able to find that deeper soul. Now, if you find something like that, you can't find deeper soul, just write to me at MeaningfulLife.com, Simon at MeaningfulLife.com, or go to our website and write something in the comments, and we will respond. But that's the key. There is things going on, and it's available to you. And there are people that just access it. Some people are not accessing it. They're couch potatoes, or they just are lazy, or they just have their routines. Whatever it may be, this is the challenge of our times. And Brazil has its own, and I'm sorry, and uh, uh, I mentioned Brazil. I mentioned Brazil because Brazil sometimes reflects energy, a lot of raw, raw energy. But like all raw energy, it can also be destructive. So you need to have energy that's contained, but also free. And that's what we're discussing here, the, the reason that energy. So can you live a daily passionate life? Yes. And not necessarily relying on those things that usually bring you passion. It's about discovering that what you're doing has deeper purpose. Even a simple act, even a simple sharing, a simple volunteer thing has deeper purpose. And that purpose is to fulfill the ultimate calling, the ultimate objective, which is to transform the, the material world into a divine home, spiritual world. And when you do that, what you're doing, you're releasing all this energy. So every good deed, every mitzvah, every good deed, every sacrifice people have made throughout history is another piece of this puzzle. And what you're doing is creating a passionate life, not just at moments, but it becomes something that begins to affect every aspect of your life. I'm not saying it's overnight. You need a lot of monitoring, but it could be done. So I want to wish everybody the strength and the fortitude to be able to achieve exactly that, to be able to take the ordinary, like it's just simple things, and release nuclear energy. Nuclear energy that changes you and the world around you. That's the challenge, and that's the key. It can be done, but you have to find those, those commitments that you commit to, whether it's studying, whether it's praying, whether it's charitable acts, whether it's good deeds, other type of volunteerism. Direct proportion to your investment will be your results. That's how it works. So please go to MeaningfulLife.com for more resources on this, more details. You could also listen to this recording. And please make any comments. You can share them with us either online or by mail, by writing to Meaningful Life Center, 788 Eastern Parkway, Brooklyn, New York, 11213. But easiest is by email or by our website. And you can ask your questions, your comments. We love this to be interactive, to be able to reach as many people as possible. So everyone have a very blessed week. May your ordinary become extraordinary. More your, may the plane become um, uh, amazing. May the regular become special, extra special, and in a sustainable way. Everyone be well until next Wednesday. And all these programs are archived. You can download their podcasts. Everyone be blessed. Thank you so much.